0: Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin and I'm on the phone with Brian and on this week's episode we're going to be talking about the 2023 film The Last Voyage of the Demeter, directed by Andre Overdahl and starring Corey Hawkins, Liam Cunningham, and David Desmilshin. In this film, a ship's crew find themselves battling a notorious vampire as they sail from Transylvania to London. If you're new to our show, Brian and I are going to have a spoiler-free discussion at the top of the episode, then we'll take a quick break, you'll hear a little bit of music, then we'll come back and talk about the plot, hit the spoilers, and get into our review. Brian, uh, were you pretty excited for this one to come out, or uh, was it pretty low on your radar? I was excited
1: for this one. I really like the novel Dracula, and this is based on a chapter from that 18, 1897 novel from Bram Stoker, and the chapter was titled Captain's Log, and it basically is just like, yeah, here's this ship, and uh, this is what happened, or basically a very vague description of something going wrong on the ship. Sure. And the movie is based on that.
0: On that chapter.
1: And it's just funny because I feel like, Some horror fans knew that, and some people who read the book knew that. But one question I think that is on everyone's mind with this movie is, why did this thing fail so miserably at the box office? Why weren't people excited? What should it have been titled? Like,
0: (laughs) There's so many open
1: questions about this. So I personally, having read and really enjoyed that book, was like, oh, yeah, I'd love to just take a pocket of the book and make a movie about that instead of, you know readapting the whole thing right. which has been done many times
0: before so i was excited but Damn. i may have been one of the few apparently i think so it's really funny i had in my notes here to ask you about the book but then i also had a feeling that you were going to bring it up uh, pretty quick now i was wondering like how long it would take for brian to bring up the fact that he's one of like 10 people who's read this book and <laughs> he it hey, right away. <laughs> it's a popular bring book i'm not one of 10 people Okay.
1: <laughs> and we often mention if a, right off the right at the top if a if a movie yeah. is based on a book. Sure, 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 that's I true. I love to tell everyone I read.
0: <laughs> you're the only one I know that's read this book. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So it's, 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 they just took a chapter, and extrapolated it as as you mentioned. So you haven't. Uh, I guess there was a Dracula movie in the '90s. Um, what was that one called? I think it was called Bram Stoker's Dracula. Full oh title. yeah, right. Or maybe it was—I can't remember. I,
1: I bet it's one of those things where some places it was titled that full thing, and some places it was just titled Dracula. I think right. it was nineteen
0: ninety-two, right? With Gary yep.
1: Oldman and Keanu Reeves.
0: Yep, and I, so there was some mention of uh, the Demeter in that one, it wasn't there? Oh, good question. It's been years since I saw that, but I would—I would guess they probably mention it. Okay. Okay. Cool. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, unless anyone remembers it from there or has read the book, then like, yeah, maybe uh, like, like for me, I was going into this blind. I didn't know there was like something called the Demeter. But yeah, the title I feel like gives away the plot a little bit, doesn't it? Like, uh, it's the last voyage, so you know, um, it's not going to go very well for the people on the boat. It does. Yeah. I mean, you know, something's wrong. And if you've read the
1: chapter of the book, you kind of have something spoiled, but. That doesn't mean you know every plot beat of this movie, and it's not as predictable. I don't think it's any more predictable than another horror movie. I've seen that in reviews, like, oh, you know right away what's going to happen. It's like, well, (laughs) don't you know people are going to die when you go see a Scream movie, and then there's going to be some wacky killer reveal? Like, almost any horror movie, you know things are going to go wrong. People are going (laughs) to die, and not that many will survive. Yeah,
0: yeah. But for this one going into it, you know like who the villain is, uh, you know that if people are going to die, you know this boat's not going to take another voyage after this one. Uh, so yeah, I, I just like most of the cards are kind of laid out on the table, but uh, yeah, th- that's true to some extent. Like It's it's usually not going to go great for people in a horror film.
1: Yeah, I just don't know how that's that different than many other movies based on in existing intellectual property.
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, but whatevs, under- everybody. Yeah, sure, sure. And Dracula is such a well-known, popular, like icon at this point. Uh, though I, I think that, uh, like, for me, he's not a very interesting character, and I'm, I'm not a huge like Bram uh, Stoker fan. Um, are you? I've never read anything else
1: he's he's written. Um, okay, but I loved it. It was one of my favorite
0: experiences
1: reading a book. I just loved it.
0: Do you think uh, we still need him and his version of Dracula, like the story, to be continuing in pop culture?
1: That's a really good question because it's almost like Dracula, Dracula is a vampire, but they've become so synonymous and Dracula's legend is so wrapped up yeah. in the vampire legend. The vampires of yore and of lore already existed, <laughs> but he really solidified some, uh, some rules and just the whole vibe and the lore behind what a vampire is. But that's yeah. a really good question. I mean, why do we keep, need to keep rehashing the story of this specific vampire? Why not just keep making vampire movies?
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we've had a number of vampire movies over the last uh, 10, 20 years uh, where, like, Dracula maybe isn't, like, really relevant anymore. Oh, I feel like Twilight's, you got more, vamp- like, famous vampires. Like, that's more informative of vampire culture these days than uh, Dracula. Like, it seems kind of like an obsolete uh, character at this point. Yeah, I
1: mean, people who pay to go see movies in the theater seem to feel this way, too, because Universal, I think we've mentioned a few times on the podcast how Universal Studios has tried to kind Shoot of their uh, rebrand their Universal monsters from yeah. you know the 30s and just put out new movies, maybe even create a shared universe, and it just continuously fails except for The Invisible Man. Right. and they tried twice this year for box office success with the character of Dracula the other attempt was Renfield oh that was also universal in that it was yeah oh. and that had a high budget of 65 million but also failed at the box office wow. this one had a budget of 45 million but it's box office as of right now what we're recording this I don't know has it been out for about a week now
0: yeah a little more than a week, and a than few days. week. yeah
1: of 11.8 million, and forecasts are that it's it's not going to be profitable. So yeah, yeah. What is the deal? Why don't people want to see these movies? I think maybe people feel like you. Dracula is played out. Some of the people, modern horror fans, may not be very familiar with the story. They may not have known what the hell Last Voyage of the Demeter was. Yeah, and I don't know, but. Why not go see it even if you don't know what it is? It's a little <laughs> perplexing, and
0: they yeah. went pretty hard
1: with the trailers. It seemed.
0: Yeah, yeah, They definitely saw those uh, leak out like yeah months ago, and there was like buzz building around this film. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I, I feel like uh, the, the the cultural status of Dracula has, has maybe been uh, yeah diminished over the years and decades.
1: Yeah, I think so, and and Andre Overdahl... He's a big-ish name in horror, but maybe his reputation wasn't enough for the casual moviegoer. He did 2010's Troll Hunter, uh, 2016's The Autopsy of Jane Doe. I'd say both of those are very much just like cult fandom, right? Yeah. They're not household names. 2019's Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark would be his most popular effort. Unfortunately, I think we both probably agree it's his... (laughs) <laughs> worst movie, worst horror film. Yeah,
0: that was such a downfall from uh Autopsy of Jane Doe.
1: Yeah, he was really on an upward trajectory there and then kind of brought back down to earth with scary stories to tell in the dark. Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, the, I guess people just didn't care about this
1: movie. Um,
0: yeah, I think that was what I was most excited about was like to see him maybe come back as a director right. with this film. Uh But yeah, we'll we'll see if if that happened. And then he did a film called Mortal, too, which, did you see that one in 2020? I never saw that one. And
1: was that a horror movie? Uh,
0: It didn't look like it. Okay. Maybe more action, sci-fi or something. Sure, that was my impression. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, generally a a director that we've liked at least half of his work uh, so far. Right, exactly, yeah. We'll see if if he was able to bring a comeback uh, in this film and, and bring Dracula back successfully. Um, dude, the history of this film, like how long it's been in development for, like, there's just like three paragraphs about like all these people that have been involved with this film for like the last 20 years or so. And it's just kind of crazy. I had no idea. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I feel like people got involved Try to read it, and then like, oh, this is Dracula. It's boring. It's about boats again. Now oh, that's boring. And then like, would bail out, and it just kept happening for like twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> What's your take on why like it kept starting and stopping? Man, you know that really, that really kind of drives
1: home why people didn't go see this movie. There's a joke in Parks and Rec where all wants, all Ron Swanson wants to do at like the. Can't remember if it's the county fair or what. It's just like sit down on a folding chair and read a book about old boats. And this yeah. is a movie about an old boat based on a book. And like exactly. Ron's effort there was like the joke was this is some boring shit that but yeah. Ron likes it. <laughs> exactly. And now we've just like made a movie about that. Okay. I guess it's yeah. all. It's a very starting specific to click demographic. with me why nobody went and saw this. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this movie's been in some stage of development since 2003.
0: Yeah, I know, and uh, so many different names attached to it, even on the actor side you have like Ben Kingsley, uh Jude Law, Viggo Mortensen at some points like cast here, a number of directors yeah. have come through. Yeah, including then, Neil
1: Marshall who who did The Descent and Dog Soldiers at some point was going to direct but that fell oh, through. Oh wow.
0: Yeah. Got it, and so yeah, I think uh, Overdol just got this in twenty nineteen, and then yeah, it's it's been in production since then. Um, other uh, cast wise, uh, Corey Hawkins from Walking Dead and Straight Outta Compton. You recognize him from anything? I do recognize him from Straight Outta Compton as, as Dr. Dre. I really enjoyed that okay. movie.
1: Yeah, I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah, he's in Black Klansman too, and in The Heights, both of which I've seen, but didn't didn't really connect the dots on. Him mm. as an actor being in those,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, this guy Liam Cunningham, dude. Uh, Game of Thrones. He's like the exact same person as he was. <laughs> he's in Game basically of Davos <laughs> Seaworth <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from right? Game of Thrones in this movie. <laughs> yeah, but I actually, count. I
1: think that kind of works.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. He nails that role. That's yeah. totally him. But it's just funny to see him doing the same thing again.
1: It's funny uh, he was in oh. Dog Soldiers. So I was like, oh, I wonder if like somehow the Neil Marshall connection like. Oh yeah, went through him or the other way around or
0: yeah, sure sure yeah that that could be the case, uh yeah this got passed around like all over the place it seems like yeah um didn't recognize there's, there's one actress in this film Ashling Franchosi uh, I didn't recognize her she was in Nightingale uh, I don't think I've seen any of her work though have you No I
1: haven't boy we should not only review Jennifer Kent's The Nightingale which was
0: her follow up to the Babadook but boy the Babadook is probably one of the bigger titles we still haven't yeah. reviewed. Yeah, I know, I know. We got to get around to that. Oh, that's where the Nightingale name is familiar from. I, yeah, I, I it's her. It's name. Jennifer Kent. Got it. Okay,
1: 1992's cool. Dracula. Put that on the list, too. Oh, man. Cover that that that's something. got a following? I think it does, yeah. I, I would love to cover more 90s horror. I think we just, eh, yeah. you know, that's fallen through the cracks, but I think we'll tackle it. Are you like a big vampire fan? Yes and no. I think we've talked about this recently that more and more so the vampire genre can become very flexible and just have all sorts of metaphors in it and you can really do anything. So Mm -hmm. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of vampire movies in general. I do like them, but I'm also a fan of like taking a vampire movie and just kind of
0: using that as a tool to tell a whole different kind of story. Oh sure, yeah. I think it could be a really interesting vehicle uh, and a metaphor for a lot of other things. Uh, I can't remember the like the last time I saw like a new vampire film and was like pretty excited by it. Um, Maybe it was Bliss. Was that one? Bliss was one. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: I feel like we were so so on that one. I can't remember what you gave it. And okay, Jacob's wife. I really enjoyed. I can't remember if you saw that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a cool one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I feel like 90s, you had a bunch of classics like, yeah, Dracula, uh, I heard this one come up, uh, Interview with the Vampire.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: I, do you think that's a big one that we should cover sometime? Oh,
1: yeah, we should cover Interview with the Vampire. <laughs>
0: yeah, the Twilights, obviously. Uh, we got some catching up to do on the vampire stuff. Sure. Oh, man, Twilight, I didn't even consider reviewing that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I guess you're good. Yeah, yeah, it seems fair. It's it's vampire horror. Yeah. Um, other big names attached to this, um, not so many. Uh, there was on the makeups, a guy named Goran Lundstrom who did makeup for the Batman and house of Gucci and border. Um, Tom Stern was a cinematographer who I think has done a lot of big films like the Meg Grant Torino, million dollar baby. Um, mostly Hunger Games. Drama, I Which one? Hunger Games? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. And he's Oscar nominated even for his work on
1: 2008's Changeling. With oh, Angelina nice. Jolie. There you go. That's uh, that's horror. Is is that horror? No, there is a horror movie from the '80s called The Changeling. Um, oh, okay. But this is Not unrelated. That. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And then, then, oh, go ahead. Javier Botet um, played Dracula, and he's he's worked with Over Overdahl before. He played the Big Toe Corpse in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh. But he also was the Crooked Man in The Conjuring Two. He was a goal a ghoul in his house. Uh, he was the leper in the twenty seventeen version of Stephen King's It. He was Slender Man. He played Mama in the film Mama. So wow. he's just like creepy <laughs> horror guy extraordinaire.
0: Yeah, you need someone creepy in your films. You go out and hire this guy. That's yeah, awesome.
1: he he he's got a genetic disorder that kind of um, makes his body, you know, all tall and thin and kind of spindly. So and he has overly yeah. flexible joints. So he uses those to some great effect in some of his films i wow. want to say he was maybe even in anything for jackson yeah that's what i was gonna ask yeah. uh god that was a... was a good movie man that that movie so john squires from bloody disgusting some point in the recent past tweeted how it was, he was just kind of bemoaning how so many of these movies just like come out they're on a streaming service they're good and everyone just forgets about them because we're <laughs> just like on to the next thing yeah, and that was a movie I thought was very, very solid, and I, I hope that goes down in the annals of horror as a, a bit of a modern classic.
0: I hope so too, man. Yeah, I, I, there's so much stuff coming out on streaming that it's just yeah, so easy to forget uh, yeah. what you've seen. Or but but that one, yeah, you're right. It kind of sticks with you, in a lot of those images. Uh, that, that was a haunting film.
1: That was that was a good one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but cool. Yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't realize he was the same guy that was in all of that. That that's incredible. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, putting that stuff to good use. Um, let's see. Uh, did we talk about the box office yet? We did, but we haven't talked about the critics score, the Rotten Tomatoes score of 51% from critics. And then 75% from the audience, which I I was surprised.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I, I wasn't sure which, how to expect those to fall. I'm a little surprised that the critics score is so low.
0: Hmm.
1: I would have expected both to be around there. 70s
0: okay I would have thought uh, critics would have been higher up on this one because they're more nerdy like you and they probably like ah oh, you know like Bram Stoker Dracula's back got to see this and then audiences being like who's who's Dracula sure that's fair but yeah that's a but yeah they you think uh, you would expect both of these to be in the 70s
1: that was kind of my my thought but yeah I guess okay. not it's a lot of mixed reviews on this one
0: yeah yeah cool um, the, the music is, it's scored by a guy named Bear McCreary. He also scored a few other horror films like Freaky, Child's Play, the, the recent Child's Play, Godzilla King of Monsters, and Cloverfield Lane, a uh, real orchestral sounding soundtrack on, on this one that, that jump out to you at all?
1: Yeah. It fit, it fit a big old movie about boats.
0: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It, 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 I think it ties, pairs pretty well. Yeah. Agreed. Cool. Um, Any other background you want to talk about before we get into this?
1: I have no other background. I'd like to do some Patreon shoutouts and an Ohio connection, and then uh, we can keep on rolling.
0: That sounds good. Oh, uh, actually, one last thing uh, might be worth mentioning before we get to the review is the writer. I I think the idea behind this film was they were trying to go for like an alien vibe, except on a boat with Dragula. Did, Did you read about that? I did. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of view the movie in that lens and kind of see if it accomplishes that or like where it hits or misses. But yeah, go go for the uh, callouts. Sure. Let's see. So we'd like
1: to thank our patrons, new patrons, Sebastian Yi Yoon. I don't know how to pronounce that. I apologize. Y i y u n. What's your guess with that one? Y uh, i
0: y u n. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I would go with Yi Yoon. Yi Yun. Let us know,
1: Yee-Yoon. Tuesday Twin, Jordan H., Michael R., Jacob, Mr. J., Certified, (laughs) Ashmi S., and Lonnie E. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. We appreciate it. Um, And on to our Ohio connection, which is done, as always, by our friend Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. If you're in Northeast Ohio, you got to go check out Jukebox, great food, drinks, and patio. And Alex... Connects every movie to our home state of Ohio, if I haven't already said that. He says, The Last Voyage of the Demeter is a supernatural horror film directed by Andre Overdahl. It is an adaptation of The Captain's Log, a chapter from the 1897 novel Dracula by Bram Stoker, Bram Stoker, about the doomed crew of the merchant ship Demeter who attempt to survive the treacherous ocean voyage from Transylvania to London while being stalked by a vampire. The film stars Corey Hawkins, Eichling franchosi no, Ashling Liam Cunningham, and David Desmelchin. Desmalchin has had roles in a number of superhero franchises, including The Dark Knight, Ant-Man, and The Suicide Squad, along with supporting roles in Prisoners, Blade Runner, 2049, Dune, and Oppenheimer. In 2012, he appeared as morgue worker on the fantasy football-themed TV comedy The League, a show popularized by NFL cameo appearances. Among these were former star wide receiver Chad Johnson, a.k.a. Ocho Cinco, who appeared on season two, episode one. At the time, Johnson played for the Cincinnati Bengals founded in Cincinnati, Ohio.
0: Wow. Nice.
1: <laughs> I love it when he leans into sports. Cause he, he yeah. Knows. He goes <laughs> heavy on the sports teams. We yeah. can see where his interests lie. <laughs> and he knows like we know like, so little about <laughs> But it's really uh, saved I don't think he could be doing these without his sports knowledge. He's, yeah.
0: I'd yeah, say at comes
1: least 10% of the time he uses it. Yeah. Which may yeah. not seem like much, but when you're really trying to find these connections Right, 10% right. is everything.
0: Yeah. I, I love that show, The League. It used to be pretty funny. You ever watched that one? I never got into that one, although I like, um, oh, what's that dude's name? Is Nick
1: Kroll? Is that, is that I like or, Nick uh, Kroll, yeah. And then the, uh, the bald the guy. The guy from Creep? Oh. Oh, I like him too. I guess I like everybody yeah. on there.
0: Yeah. it's a, Oh, the, the the one guy with the podcast? Uh, is that yeah. Paul Schreiber? Gosh, Paul Shear, There we go. Sheer. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's got yeah, a few podcasts. A... Nice, nice. All right, man. Cool. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great connection, Alex. So it was great to learn something about sports. Uh, cool. Well, are you ready to talk about the plots and hit the spoilers and review the film? Let's do it. Cool. Hey, before we do, though, I got to make a quick run out to FedEx. Can I call you back? Sure. Yeah, that's fine. All right. Thanks. I'll be right back. Okay. All right, hey Brian, I'm back. Hey, buddy, you, you get everything handled at FedEx? Got everything handled. Yeah, I, I mailed you uh, a few boxes. Uh, there's about ten of them. You can open the one one of them, and you'll you'll just find dirt. So just assume the rest of them have dirt, uh, and make sure you store them like in a dark place. And then uh, don't don't worry about anything else. <laughs> I think you'll be in good shape. If things start to go strangely. It has, yeah. it has nothing to do with those boxes. has something to do with the 10 boxes. Don't, don't look at those. You opened one, it was dirt. You can assume the rest. Are okay, got it. Good. That'll save me some time. <laughs> cool. All right, all right. Just a heads up. Uh, so this movie opens first off with text that says, the Demeter one day set sail one day and it arrived on shore weeks later abandoned. What word did they use? Uh, sort Derelict? Of the Derelict, yeah, yeah. I had to look that one up. Uh, we then see a sequence of Watchmen who uh, discover the Demeter is showing up, and among its ruins among its ruins is the Captain's Logbook, which the movie then jumps into. Uh, I know we've talked about how you love text at the beginning of films. Uh, yeah, what did you think of this opening?
1: Yeah, I recently said I don't ever really ever want to see text at the beginning of a movie. Hmm, this one having been based on a book, I get it, but really it didn't add anything. You you didn't even really need that opening scene, I think. Um, yeah,
0: it felt very duplicative, right, to show that text and then show them like also finding the boat? Right, because you kind of, yeah, you're explaining it.
1: Uh, boy, <laughs> yeah. you, you're learning a bunch of D words, duplicative, dearly. <laughs> yeah, I
0: know, right? Uh, dropping them. Yeah, dangerously
1: dropping those deuces. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway... Yeah, I think it's a bit redundant, unnecessary. And if people do have the complaints of like, oh gosh, you know what's going to happen before it happens, you can save yourself that trouble by not even including any of this. Just so some people about to get on a boat.
0: Yeah, yeah, right, right. It's, it's weird because yeah, you have the title, then you have these two sequences. It all kind of drives the point home that you already kind of came in knowing. I suppose it serves to set
1: an ominous tone, but an ominous tone gets set pretty quickly in like... Mm-hmm. You know five or ten minutes with some of these dock workers so sure yeah I do
0: I do think it was probably unnecessary yep Uh, one other thing uh, utilitarian thing that comes out of this or something of of use is uh, the idea that the captain's logbook and this film I think it sets up the premise that like this film is a recap based on like what these people are finding in the captain's logbook is that right
1: uh, like basically like
0: saying, hey, this is what the log said. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that basically like how, how the movie is framed? Like, cause they find that book and then like we jump back like four weeks. So yeah. It, I mean, it, I think that's essentially the setup.
1: I don't think it says anything quite as obvious as like what you see now is what happened according to the words in the log. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. This is a little spelled out unnecessarily uh- so.
0: Yeah, well, I, I couldn't tell because I, as I was writing the notes, uh, I mean, there's a part of this film which that logic doesn't hold up. If this is all supposed to be a retelling of what was in the captain's log, uh, then like, yeah, maybe towards the end that might not make a lot of sense. But um, yeah, I guess you're right. It's not explicit that this is like what they found in the captain's log, right?
1: Sure. I mean, you, you become an omniscient viewer. It's not a story
0: told specifically through the yeah. eye of the captain. Yeah, this isn't like a found footage film where like, like <laughs>
1: yeah. the first he's, he's got the very first motion picture camera ever <laughs> exactly. on board and yeah, Tape although one, damn yeah. that actually I can't tell if that's a really great idea
0: for a found footage movie or a really horrible idea for the a found first footage fu- movie. the first like, like really <laughs> early footage. Dude, yeah, I think that'd be really cool, actually. Like a really old-timey uh, first, uh, yeah, kind of camera. Oh, my God. It'd be uh, like I, a silent film, potentially. Yeah, man. I think that would be about as popular as a film about an old boat
1: <laughs> Yeah, <laughs>
0: based on so. an old book. <laughs> People love that kind of stuff. Just, just yeah. reel in the uh, viewers on that one. <laughs> exactly. Blow out the box office. It's found footage. No sound. <laughs> and really old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well then, uh, yeah, we jump back now a few weeks earlier where the Demeter is getting ready to set sail. Um, One of the things we learn is the cargo is made up of a bunch of large boxes that were given to them by this group of Romanians that had kind of like hiked through the countryside to give them these boxes. And it's kind of ominous. They're like, try to get set sail before nighttime, like get get out of here. Uh, And the crew also picks up a few people before they set sail, including... This man named Clemens, who becomes a main character, Clemens is this trained doctor, but he is interested in traveling the world to better understand. What did he say? <laughs> I need to understand the world and all its goodness. Is that what he said? Yes, he said something corny, something corny
1: like that to yeah. a uh, to a bunch of like hardened semen, and it just that felt a little awkward. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That was actually one of my biggest beefs with the movie. It's just a lot of his more intimate dialogue or like more sincere dialogue just felt pretty forced and out of place.
0: Yeah. I think they tried to force like a lot of themes like through him and like it didn't feel like very natural, right? They
1: did. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole, the whole way he got himself on board was, well, part of it was he, saved the life of the captain's grandson so he kind of endeared himself to the captain that way and mm-hmm. yeah he he kind of got the gig to to come on board and be a deckhand
0: or whatever you call it right right exactly uh but i think it sets up an interesting uh dynamic between like you have these hard like uh seamen uh who are just like <laughs> burly men you know at sea know how to work a boat and then this guy is like all like science and he's like, yeah, I could lose my maps, but I can read the stars or like I'm a studied doctor. So I, I think it sets up a cool contrast at this point between like how he's like, he went to like Cambridge or something, right? He's like a, he's like college educated and, and it's, he's, it's like him versus the other crew members kind of. It's a point of friction, I think.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit of point of friction, but then whenever he opens up and is like super sincere, they're just like, mm, yeah,
0: damn. (laughs)
1: Instead of being like, shut the fuck up, bro. (laughs) So these semen aren't hard enough for you? Boy, we've said hardened
0: semen more times (laughs) than I ever thought I'd say in my life (laughs) to a crowd of
1: many, many people. (laughs) I was excited about
0: that part of this episode. (laughs) If
1: anybody ever makes an auto-tune... Remix of just all the weird stupid things we've ever
0: said Harden Seaman yeah. might make the cut I think so so yeah, but you, you thought they they were a little more uh, Sensitive than you would have imagined. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean not
1: to uh, Look I don't mean to paint anybody in a blue-collar professional with the same brush But the atmosphere around these kind of environments especially in 1897 and based on the prior actions of the semen I mm-hmm. got to believe they weren't really open to this sincere of a discussion, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I would, Hopefully, I'm wrong. But they sure. also were kind of carefully picked by the captain, and he was a pretty good dude, so maybe he was like, hey, I only want people on board who are willing to have deep discussions. <laughs> yeah. Frankly, those are the kind of people I like.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the kind of boat I want to be on. Because I'm a book learner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if <laughs> to, I told you guys I've read the book Dracula? <laughs> Uh, So these guys roll out to sea, and things are okay at first, but then we start to see uh, in the cargo a shadowy kind of creature start to emerge from one of these boxes. Looks kind of like a man, but kind of like also a creature. And uh, later, one of the cargo boxes breaks open, and Clemens finds this woman who is unconscious, and she seems to be struggling with an infection. Everyone assumes that maybe she was a stowaway or something and and hidden in in the uh, cargo section. But uh, he gives her some of his own blood as a transfusion to help her recover. Um, Other weird things start happening. Like one morning they wake up and they find all the animals on board the ship have suddenly been killed. And they have these bite marks on them. And the crew is getting kind of suspicious of the girl and Clemens. And uh, wondering what's going on here? Would you would you think of some of this early suspense building and these like shadowy uh, glimpses of Dracula? I think the early suspense building,
1: something about it just felt a little lacking in suspense. I think maybe it was just the context of the movie. Like other, th- basically, my two biggest beefs the. the questionable sincerity of our main character here and how it was received by the hardened (laughs) seaman and how slow this movie was for the first hour or so. It just kind of felt like it was dragging and not going anywhere. And I I get the approach to not go all out with the kills right away. They kind of slowly ramped them up. But Mm -hmm. that paired with the, like, otherwise uneventful... (laughs) of the movie it it got a little slow for a while but what did you think
0: yeah yeah that's interesting Uh, the pacing didn't hit me too much I I agree like uh the suspense comes on slow but I feel like in place of that uh we're getting things like character introductions to like Toby a tour of the boats uh we're learning a little bit about Clemens not too much just that uh he says some sensitive things here and there uh, we're, yeah, we're we're kind of like walking around exploring the boat, and then like yeah, small things are starting to happen like at a very slow pace, but uh, yeah, the the pacing uh strike me too much. I think one bias uh I had going into this though is like yeah, you know what's gonna happen, so you're kind of waiting for it, and I was trying to like fight that urge to be like, um, all right, like when's the action gonna start, and and kind of try to soak in what was happening versus thinking about like where this is going eventually. But do you feel like that was uh biasing your view on the pacing at all? Is like you knew kind of where things were going and you were waiting for it to happen? Hmm.
1: Not, maybe. I don't think so, just because, like I said at the top of the episode, I feel like with most horror movies, you kind of know where things are going, except for the exceptionally twisty, turny, or mysterious ones. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I just thought it was kind of uneventful. I mean, you know that that stuff is going to happen, so... I think maybe they should have gone more balls to the wall sooner because it's like Mm -hmm. you're already waiting for it. We don't need you to like slowly tick the boxes because normally that buildup is kind of to take the viewer on this journey of like, oh, things are happening. Like what's going to happen? What was that over there? Well, we know what's going to happen. We know who it is. So I I guess I'm not complaining about knowing what's going to happen, but I'm complaining that the movie doesn't play its hand accordingly and be like, you know it's coming. Here it is, right in your face, yeah. big, right from the the first kill. I, I think maybe that would have been the better approach.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I, I think when you have a movie with people going in and having a certain set of expectations, that's the only like surprise element you have left in your back pocket is like bring it on like before someone expects it or like uh, make it like be like so over the top that like uh, you get something more than what you're anticipating. So uh, yeah, I, I I could see that being the issue here, uh, where like yeah, we're we're kind of just waiting for this to kind of fold out a bit.
1: Yeah, and I brought up Scream earlier. I don't know how we got down the path of comparing this movie to Scream. It's not really that similar, but that's a movie where, okay, you you know this is like a slasher movie, and it is a riff on other slashers, so you know someone's going to come around with a knife and kill somebody, but then that opening scene is just like, my God, I didn't know what's going to happen this hard, this fast, this dramatically and tragically. Yeah, And I think the movie... The meter eventually in my opinion does go there not I'm not comparing it to that opening but it goes hard and it, it gets intense and I think had it done that sooner it would have been to its advantage
0: sure yeah yeah it would have changed the whole uh, uh, feel of the film I think to yeah. have like a hook like that at the beginning yeah right I think
1: the, the biggest problem is you know where do you go from there if you feel like you can't ramp up any higher but
0: yeah I don't know I still think it would have been the better approach. I think so, because, yeah, we're probably a half hour, 40 minutes into the movie at this point, and, like, not much has happened, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, I, and, but, but I, one thing I do like about uh, how there, these early views of Dracula, and, and I think something they stick with throughout the rest of the film, is uh, it seems more animalistic than I think I've seen in, like, other versions of this film, or of Dracula. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but... Uh, like, yeah, in the 90s Dracula movie or other ones you've seen, he's usually a person, isn't he? He is a person, and I think even in this movie he could toggle between a person
1: and a monster. And he kind of does that in all the movies, but the gap between person and monster is quite a bit smaller in, like, the Dracula from the 1930s and the Hammer Horror Dracula.
0: Yeah. But here he is just an
1: all-out monster when he yeah. goes beast mode
0: yeah yeah I, I, I like that as like keeping that as the character it, it seems a lot, it's yeah this almost kind of plays out like a little bit of a monster movie yeah i like uh, that too
1: and nosferatu is interesting because it's like he is really like a monster and people are treating him like he's a human <laughs> person yeah. really it really be like bro get out of there <laughs> yeah
0: that's There's not a person this guy. <laughs> can't yeah. you see
1: it's not a person
0: <laughs> just look at him
1: yeah <laughs> Yeah. Uh, oh, so yeah, we he, all walk up the
0: steps that way. <laughs> <laughs> 20 totally fingered
1: shadows. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, so yeah, they, it's kind of like uh, he, there's this monster basically creeping around below deck, and uh, you know people are like seeing things here and there. But we get our first attack one night when one of the crew members is attacked and his body goes missing. The woman that Clemens found, her name is Anna, and she's kind of woken up. And she's telling everyone that there's evil on the ship and they need to escape. But they all dismiss her pretty quickly. The next night, uh, one of the crewmen gets bit while he's on top of the deck. And they take him down below to recover. He wakes up, but now he's possessed under uh, Dracula's spell. And he goes after the captain's grandson, Toby. Toby locks himself in this room. But while he's in the room, uh, he gets attacked there by Dracula, who bites him. Um, what do you think of that sequence?
1: Wait, sorry, I just spaced out. <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> it's, it's moving too slow for you. <laughs> yeah,
1: I guess even the to be yeah. perfectly honest, I have a hardened semen joke in my head that I can't get out of my head, and now I'm having trouble listening.
0: Do you wanna Do you wanna jump to that first? <laughs> no, no. In the <laughs>
1: okay. in the hopes that I can like perfectly set it up later, and that I wasn't like holding it in the back pocket all along, I will. Not say it. Okay. Uh, wait, is this uh, Toby as the kid?
0: Yeah, the Toby uh, getting was uh, bit it, by Dracula. That was
1: intense, man. Yeah, I, I thought I that, that scene sequence. was very suspenseful. And then when it finally, when he finally got caught, it was just like, oh shit! Like they kill the kid and they kill the kid brutally. Yeah. And we got a cool shot of Dracula, kind of like looking over his shoulder and like smiling almost at people, being like, "I'm about to right. do some fucked up shit." Yeah, uh, yeah, that was wild. I, I, from this point of the movie on, actually a little bit before this, like once that guy kind of comes back reanimated,
0: mm-hmm. it's like okay,
1: all right, here we are. And I was thinking that
0: the movie was living up to its potential. I, I really okay.
1: enjoyed that scene. What did you think?
0: I agree. Yeah, this is a fun sequence, and uh, I think it's cool because they're playing with this idea that uh, all the crew members know something's going on on the boat. That they, you know, they think it's evil. uh, That you know, there's this idea that it might be like a contagious disease from the animals, um, and that it's like taking people over. So they're still kind of unclear, and this is the first time they're seeing through the crack of a door. Dracula, kind of like looking back at them, like this monster creature, and uh, it's kind of like this point of like realization for them, like holy shit, this thing is real and it's uh, it's killing people. Uh, so yeah, I, I like this this scene a lot, and yeah, to to have the kid be the victim, uh, that was like a ballsy move. That was that was good. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, <laughs> I don't want to ever sound like I'm advocating to have children killed on screen, but it really takes things to the next level when it happens. It's it does. Yeah, it, I, I feel mean, like it, it, looks- it adds <laughs> to the drama and the tragedy, and uh, yeah.
0: yeah, I, I think yeah. horror movies should feel sad sometimes. They should and, and should let you know that like no one's safe because right. I feel like a lot of times uh, the kid will get off because it's like, oh, we can't kill a kid or like there's like some close bond or someone's going to sacrifice themselves to save a kid or something. But yeah, this one uh, pulls out a character, which I guess we were kind of uh, invested in Toby. He he had like a close call in the beginning when a crate almost fell on him. He was kind of like bonding with Clemens. Uh, he was like uh, probably the most like sympathetic character uh, to like Anna. And, uh, yeah, I think everyone on the crew liked him as well, so it was kind of rough to see him go so early. Yeah,
1: yeah, he was a main character. He was yeah. honestly almost more of a main character than Clemens.
0: Yeah, right, yeah, he might have had more lines at this point. Yeah. Uh, so, the next day, uh, Toby and the crewman who was bit, they're on, uh, on, on top of the boat, what do you call that area? The deck? The deck, yeah, yeah, they're on the deck. Uh, and then the the sun comes out and they both like burst into flames and uh, that's a pretty crazy scene too um meanwhile the ship's cook he's had enough of this and he tries to escape one night on a little rowboat but he gets hunted down and killed by Dracula who's now have uh, who now like I guess has the ability to become a bat and like fly around which uh I thought that looked pretty cool What what did you think You know, I do think
1: it looked cool. There was a a decent amount of CGI in this movie. I think that was some of the complaint. Um, And actually, that makeup guy that you mentioned, Goran Lundstrom, he had a quote kind of... that made it sound like he wished the visual effects team and the practical effects team could have worked together more closely. So, all that to say... I feel like there was a little bit of inconsistency in Dracula's appearance throughout the film. Like, I couldn't quite get a handle on how he looked, and I couldn't tell if that was just because it was shadowy or if he legitimately looked a bit different in certain scenes than others. And that quote made me think, all right, maybe I was onto something with my feelings, and he really did look a little bit different in the CGI shots than in the practical ones. But I do still think it was cool. I think you need to be able if you were gonna have a movie where a giant bat creature is flying around on the masts of an old boat, you gotta use C I mean there's really no good practical way to do that. <laughs> and so Yeah. Like, sorry everybody, sometimes there's gonna be CG. I don't think it looked great. I don't think it looked bad.
0: Yeah. But you think I it agree. looked pretty I, great? Uh no I I didn't think it looked that great. I mean I think conceptually it was cool like that, like this thing is now like morphed into become a bat. But yeah. I, I think the CG, like, uh, it almost like we didn't get a lot of, it's almost like they were hiding a bad CG's, uh, job. Cause, like, I think on purpose, the camera never like lingers on Dracula too much. He's always kind of like a blur. Even yeah. on the attack scenes, they're all, all like kind of the same, where like something shadowing in the distance and then like shoots at you really fast. Right. And it's like fast. they're covering. Yeah. Yeah, they're kind of made him like out to be a blur, which seems to be like a missed opportunity because you could have done some great practical effects and had like an awesome looking monster. But yeah, I feel like you don't walk away from this movie thinking like, oh, that was a great monster design. Do you? Hmm.
1: I I think unfortunately, no, but I really think that we could have. I I do think there was good makeup work here. We just didn't really get a good solid look. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd Uh, be
0: interested to rewatch this. Sure. Sure. Slow it down Uh, a little bit. Yeah, this guy, uh, yeah, who did the makeup, um, so I I was wondering, like, the, the work that he did, was that more on, like, the gore that we see on the victims, or, like, the animals, or, actually, he did talk about dressing up the vampire, right? And, like, yeah, he, he talked job. about,
1: you know, Javier sitting in the chair for three or four hours, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was doing work uh, on
1: Javier Botet.
0: Yeah, that's a shame. I, I kind of wish we could have appreciated that a little bit more, but uh, it's, it's hard to catch.
1: Yeah, Um, I I, personally, I see things better at home on my TV than in the theater, (laughs) which is a little weird, but
0: yeah, I'd be interested to go back and rewatch this. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Maybe there's some good work back there. All right. Well, so now we got a flying Dracula. People are scared. A lot of people have died and uh, Clemens is getting information out of Anna, which everyone really should have been listening to from the beginning because she's, she's, she was Dracula's prisoner back in Romania or whatever. And she's been trying to tell everyone what's going on, but uh, she's kind of been dismissed this whole time or like hanging out in the background, which has been kind of a strange uh, role for her. you Um, think maybe that's a bit of a commentary on the time since
1: she's just considered kind of hysterical as a young woman?
0: I think you're right. Yeah. I think that might be one of the themes in this film is like these two characters potentially um, are like, yeah, people who aren't like getting the um, attention they deserve, the respect they deserve, or the credence. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah a, a black man character and a, a young woman.
0: Yeah, yeah, that could be it. So uh, the crew decides that they need to take the ship down to kill Dracula. So they try and lure him out. They uh, set up some traps or something, but he flies around and ends up killing most of them. Again, like pretty quick kills where he just like zooms in and like uh, takes them out. I don't know, like were there any memorable kills for you? The most
1: memorable scene to me, I mean we kind of zoomed past this after the boy dies they're going to bury him at sea and you know they've got him all wrapped up and then his grandfather the captain is like no wait like I swear I just saw him move so they open up his cloth and then he comes out as a vampire goes to attack his grandpa and immediately bursts into flames yeah and that was awesome I thought just like
0: that was a cool scene it's
1: just like oh like there's a suspense of like okay we're we're pretty sure he's back. Everyone else thinks maybe the captain's just paranoid. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of forget, oh, he's gonna be in the sunlight if he comes out. And then that that burst into flames was kind of a cool surprise. Cool cool editing and timing around that.
0: Yeah, I agree, I agree. That was that was a cool scene. That that one stuck with me. Yeah. And like it like burns the captain's face yep. pretty badly. Was, as
1: far was... as the zooming around flying, like I thought that was cool action. I don't really remember any of the kills specifically being like, whoa. Yeah, Like, there's a guy Same. who falls a bit and, like, breaks a leg, but... Yeah. Yeah. They, nothing, Nothing's bad, but nothing's, like...
0: Jump out memorable. Yeah, all the cool stuff happens to the kid. <laughs> yeah. Which, it, yeah, again, like, uh, it's cool because it is a kid, and you don't expect that kind of violence from, like, a, a kid character, but that's the right. cool they did that.
1: Especially this movie that has kind of gone a little easy so far yeah. before that right. happened.
0: Right. Exactly. Uh, so now they manage to trap... Oh, finally, like, yeah, it's just Clemens and Anna who are alive. Everyone else has been killed. And somehow they manage to track Dracula with the mast of the boat. And the two of them jump off as the ship crashes into some rocks. And we jump to the end of the film, which is where we saw the boat crashing to the rocks. Unfortunately, Dracula escapes the the sinking ship. And as the sun begins to rise... Anna succumbs to the vampire bite that she's had and bursts into flames. The movie ends on Clemens, who's now hanging out, uh, I think, in London or, or something at like a bar. And uh, he sees Dracula, who is now dressed kind of as a person, but still looking pretty, like a, pretty much like a bat. And uh, Clemens kind of vowing to hunt down uh, Dracula. It almost seem like they're setting it up for a sequel or something.
1: Yeah, it kinda almost felt like they were setting it up for a Van Helsing relationship, which oh. Universal like may have very much been doing and Interesting. They've kinda sounds like they've had this desire to develop a shared universe. I don't know how serious they still are about that, but probably yeah. not that serious if they make two Dracula movies with wildly different tones in the same year.
0: But Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting that they took two both those approaches. It is kinda uh, weird.
1: Like I don't know why they're even bothering with the like classic monsters and trying to
0: revive them like i don't yeah do we There's need enough. them like i know i think they're a little bit out of touch with modern day viewers and audiences right like i i think it is sadly getting to the point where no one no one really cares anymore right right yeah I don't, unless you do something really interesting with it like how the invincible invisible man did uh Or like you reinvent it in like some real modern context. I I guess Renfield tried to do that a little bit, right?
1: Yeah, right. I mean, or you could go the other direction and make them like a scary stories to tell in the dark thing. Like make them Goosebumps type movies where, but even softer than scary stories. Like make it a PG horror film, like The Mummy, Dracula. Yeah, I mean, those monsters, they're all over kids' stuff. Like... Maybe not as much nowadays, but like I remember I had a trick-or-treat bucket that had like the mummy and like a mummy and Dracula and a werewolf on it. Like mm. they are the Universal Classic Monsters are like the token monsters. Yeah. Uh well we should review Monster Squad at some point too. I think that's a request. Ah, right. But I think you could I think you could dumb these down a little bit and make them kids' movies. Star- Sorry, everyone. I got down on a tangent. I'm not saying Voyage <laughs> of the Last Demeter should be a kid's movie, but I'm saying if Universal really wants to keep these monsters alive, maybe movies for adults that bomb at the box office isn't the way to go.
0: Yeah, yeah. I remember like uh, years ago, wasn't it like some Frankenstein toy? It was like Frankenstein in high heels or something. There were like these dolls that came out. Boy, uh, I don't know. Is this oh. a Frankenhooker doll? <laughs> yeah. I, I think so. There's there's some like thing where they took these universal monsters, made them into like kids toys. And I want to say they wore high heels. Uh I don't know. Maybe it was a dream. But yeah, this is something like that. But anyway, what would you think what do you think of the end of this film? The hell of a dream. Um I actually found
1: the end kind of touching and dramatic when she like was like this is going to happen like I know you can keep me alive, but I, you know, I can't, this is my destiny now. And I made a promise to my people kind of. Mm. And, uh, and then she goes bursts into flames with dramatic music. And I actually kind of felt the drama there. How about you?
0: Uh, I didn't, I didn't feel like we had enough time with her. And I I feel like she was underutilized the whole film. Mm. Uh, And she could have been like this, yeah, a a really strong character. And and the film just kind of brushed her aside till the end. I actually felt like she was a stronger character than Clemens. Oh, no way, because she said less corny things.
1: Yeah, I mean, Clemens, anything we tried to learn about Clemens just felt forced yeah. to me. I thought yep. her and the kid were a bit more naturally, you, you could naturally attach
0: yourself to them better. Hmm. I, I don't feel like we got a lot of, I, like how many lines do you think she had in this film? I, I feel like she spoke so few times and it, whenever she did talk, it was just like to Clemens yeah, um, not a lot, but in the end of the movie, she is
1: the one taking action just as much as Clemens yeah. is.
0: Yeah, yeah, she kind of pulls through and saves his life uh, and, uh, yeah, changes his view on humanity a little bit, I think. Sure, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, okay, Okay. That, so you, you found that scene pretty touching as she, like, burned out see? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't teary-eyed or anything, but I thought it worked. Okay, yeah, and then uh, the last scene of Clemens at the bar seeing Dracula and this idea that, like, he's going to chase him... Uh, For years to come Interesting or like kind of silly Hmm I have no opinion I I think that it would have been weird to just
1: end the movie Because be like well He's Dracula that didn't kill him So you got to show something And whether that's just somebody Dying or somebody with a bite mark On their neck whatever I actually I thought maybe It would have been better if they just Ended it in the bar instead of Showing him like Following yeah, him out. down an alley, because what's he really gonna do? <laughs> like, <laughs> you <there>. get bit <laughs> in a dark alley? Like he's yeah. yeah, he's the safest where he is. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, <laughs> somebody stop that winged flying monster! <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It seemed kind of silly, because uh, yeah, you 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 can't fight this guy like one on one, right? Like, what, what are you gonna do to that guy? Exactly. So yeah, I think it may have been better to just
1: leave it in the bar.
0: Yeah, that, that could have been
1: a cool ending. You yeah, know, he kind of yeah. like. I feel like we see him kind of like wrapping his fingers on a cane or whatever Dracula and I think there with a weird you know smile on his face would have been the perfect place to just
0: fade to black I agree I agree I think that would have been a much stronger ending uh yeah so what what, would you think uh did this film like get there for you finally uh when it picked up or like what would you think overall it finally got there for me when the second half of the
1: movie rolled around and the little boy was attacked by the crewman who had turned into a vampire. The movie got way more vicious and action-packed, and I felt myself waking back up and feeling like it was finally starting to live up to its potential. There was a while there. Like, I really wanted this movie to be good and to succeed just because I feel like we should have a place for, like, big-budget period-piece horror. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, unfortunately, with the box office, this did not encourage future movies in this vein but who knows hollywood's weird they'll they'll do whatever they want <laughs> That's um true. but yeah i i was worried it was falling into tedium there cuz i do think it got slow mm-hmm. um but i i by the end i had really come around um what did you yeah. think
0: yeah I I, mean, I I agree right i think the second act uh things definitely picked up and the action got interesting but to me it never felt like interesting enough because uh yeah i think you you kind of know what to expect and you're looking for something to come in over the top and yeah maybe there are two sequences there especially around the kid that like were like took you by surprise but then the rest to me felt pretty uh stale or like just what i expected or like not enough to be uh like holy shit and then uh the whole plan at the end like how they were gonna kill him uh like it didn't make sense to me like they found his coffin um, and they didn't like say, Hey, let's just take his coffin up onto the deck and open it in the sunlight. Instead, they like relied on like this mast falling on him to trap him. I, yeah, I guess I didn't understand their plan at the end. And like, I, I thought the movie kind of fell apart with, with that ending of him, like seeing track that a bar and then falling him out of there. Like, uh, I don't know. It just, it, it seemed like it was building up to be like these smart characters, but then they kind of fall apart at the end.
1: That was a complaint voiced a couple of times on our Discord server was, hey, there were some pretty obvious ways to kill him, and they didn't take them. I think Blake said, <laughs> he like, hey, here. here's here's where he sleeps, and <laughs> yeah. then they just cut they away from that, that, and yet. they never go <laughs> back to discussing that again. Yeah, exactly. So it's really weird. Like, why even bother? Like, it would have been better had they just not had any idea that, that <laughs> the crates and him were connected at all. Yeah. Um. And, yeah, they had all these ominous warnings, both from, like, some of the crewmen at the beginning, the people that transported the caskets or the, you know, the crates, and from Anna. So, yeah, it's just, yeah. <laughs> I, I Didn't put any <laughs> of that together. The, yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> the character decisions are questionable. I'm pretty good at just kind of turning that part of my brain off in a horror movie. So... That didn't bother me acutely as I was watching the movie, but I understand that complaint for sure. I think the biggest weakness for me was the pacing in the first mm. half of the movie. That first half of the movie, okay. But I thought that um I really enjoyed the production design and the boat and everything. It really felt like a period piece horror movie. Nothing was shortchanged there. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, I I want there to be like more of these movies. I want that model to succeed. Do you yeah. think Hollywood seems to display much strategy when it comes to movie releases? I mean, it's hard to for us as lay people to decipher that. They clearly mm-hmm. are with superhero movies, they're hitting those hard. Yeah. But do they have any idea what's going to be successful and where to put money and how much money? And do we want them to do that? Do we want it to be more of a creative enterprise that isn't totally hemmed in by the profit Demand margins and the income the, yeah. statements? Yeah. Like, we need to have directors have creative freedom, but do you want to sink $45 million into a movie about a 130-year-old character right. from literature on an old boat?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really fascinating because who back there was thinking that like it would be worth that kind of expenditure, like you would see such a big turnout. Are you you saying potentially they knew this would be a loss and still like invested in it, knowing that like they'd never be able to recoup their investment here? I don't
1: know. I, I guess I just wonder what that process is, if there is one at all. Do they go back and say, let's analyze the data? Like here are all the movies that we have the data point of period piece Here's all the movies that had the data point of horror. Here's all the movies that had the data point of <laughs> established. <laughs> you want to see that s- spreadsheet? <laughs> from literature. I want to see that spreadsheet. And there yeah. should be one if there isn't. But then yeah. at the same time, would that ruin everything <laughs> and ruin yeah. creativity? It kind of feels like this is an idea that someone got in their head. 20 years ago, which was not that far outside of the period where really big budget period piece horror movies were successful, like Dracula and Interview with the Vampire, they weren't that far away from that time period when when that idea blossomed. Right.
0: Early 2000s.
1: Yeah, and it went along 20 years. Was it just like so far along the way? I know movies get in development hell and stay there. But did it get so far along that nobody took the step back and said, wait a minute, who wants this? Just well, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> and he's in a Just closet. Just that one
0: guy who read that Talking <laughs> to one guy on the internet. Yeah, exactly. He's so sad. Why make a movie for him? Yeah. I know. Do we like him that much? <laughs> 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 yeah. That, yeah uh, I, and I think when you look at uh, how the movie uh, was even... Launched like the fact that it's it was in development hell for twenty years. I think that was the conversation that like kept stalling it. Like people probably kept being like, "Wait, no one wants to see a film about this. Or this is like the most boring topic. So why?" And so it was just like a to me it like sound like a game of hot potato of like here's a script and who's like the idiot like dumb enough to fund and and uh, tie themselves to this project. But yeah, I, I think it's still a mystery like why in twenty nineteen suddenly. Like, it got the momentum. I I wonder if it was a dual strategy where they're like, oh, if we put out Renfield and this in the same year, then uh, we're, like, building a hype uh, around, like, a character again, and they could kind of feed off each other. But instead, maybe you get two misses.
1: Yeah, unfortunately. And, yeah, maybe there is the, like, hey, we do want to reboot this whole dark universe thing with the classic monsters in this movie gives us a perfect opening to tell future Dracula and Van Helsing stories. I mean, I know Clemens Mm. isn't Van Helsing but he could become that kind of character. right? So, yeah, I just don't, I'd love to be a fly on the wall for the strategy meetings that go (laughs) on there. And I guess it just feels like that the things don't have to be mutually exclusive. Like, financial success and creativity don't. Like, Blair Witch and Paranormal prove that. Not that every movie should be a low-budget found footage movie and hope it succeeds, but Blumhouse is really doing it right, you know? They just say what you will about their movies. I know not everyone loves them, but they've had quite a few budgets in the $1 to $10 million range that just kill it, and they're creative and artistic and critically renowned, and they make a lot of money. So it just feels like there is more sound business that could go into this that could also force more creativity. Because in the end, this isn't a particularly creative movie. It's a cool idea to take this chapter of the book and flesh it out. But it's nothing we haven't seen before for the most part, even though I did enjoy the movie. So, yeah, why... I don't know. I'm talking out of both sides of my ass saying I want more of this, but I'm also saying...
0: Maybe it's not worth the
1: $45 million.
0: <laughs> Yeah. Do you, do you think there was uh, that issue where like, uh, I know like Spider-Man had this or something, but it was like they had to put out a movie to maintain the rights or something or some kind of like time sensitive thing with the contract uh, or, uh, yeah, do, I, I don't think I read anything about that, but you didn't see anything about that for this film, did you?
1: No, I didn't. And I th- Dracula is in the public domain as far as I know. So, okay. I don't think—that's the other thing that's weird about them trying to bring back these classic universal monsters because I don't think they have any sort of, like, intellectual property rights to these characters. I, mm. I don't think—I yeah. I feel like we've discussed this in the past, and I can't remember where we landed, but— yeah, You certainly don't have, like, any ownership of a werewolf, which is the wolf man— uh Invisible Man is a work of literature too that I don't think they have the copyright to but I'm not totally sure. Maybe maybe that would be an exception but okay. Yeah, Dracula, yeah. Frankenstein, I I think other people can make these movies.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh it, and yeah, yeah, these monsters are like so um ubiquitous now. Uh yeah, yeah. you don't need, I it almost makes me wonder like what a, if they had done this film and it wasn't Dracula, it was just bunch of people on a boat and a vampire like kind of broke out and killed people. You think that would have gotten more of a audience versus like, oh, it's Dracula from this chapter of uh, this really old book?
1: Hmm. I don't know. Would you make it a period piece anymore or would you just make it like a, a modern day ship? I'd go Based, modern. Va- yeah, so vampires Jason, on a
0: boat. You're describing Jason takes Manhattan except <laughs> oh, yeah, right. a vampire. Jason on a boat. Yeah, vampires on a boat, man. I, I think a movie like that would have been a lot of fun. Um, but like, yeah, I think their need to like stick to that storyline to that character might be like the uh, Yeah, to me it kind of felt like the downfall for, for this film
1: Yeah, I wonder man. I wonder it's kind of a head-scratcher
0: Yeah, yeah, but I, I agree that the settings cool that the, the period piece like I think they nailed it the music I think really hits it well um, uh Yeah, yeah that all, all that stuff was pretty cool. What did you think about the themes they tried to force in here? Like those obviously like I think a race angle with uh, Clemens and, like, it, yeah, it was kind of on the nose, like, where he'd talk about, like, yeah, I'm a doctor, but no one would hire me, and, like, now I'm, I'm here in this, and I'm trying to, like, go around the world and, like, solve this question of about racism, like, why the, that's there, right? Um, or, like, yeah, with Anna and, like, people not listening to her and, like, she being the one to kind of show Clemens that, like, some people are maybe good out there. Uh, what would you think of all that? Did, did it fit the movie, or do you think it was trying too hard? Unfortunately... It-
1: as much as I'm not opposed to those kinds of themes, it did not fit here. I, I think it just didn't fit the the movie and the story and the tone of the film and it was clearly I mean you said forced, it felt forced, and it had to have been done further along in development because, you know, the the previous leads attached to the film were white dudes. So mm. that was definitely something they added after Clemens would was cast or not, Clemens? Right. Well, yeah, the character of Clemens was cast, but after Corey Hawkins was cast, so yeah. Not saying that should never be done, but it just it felt pretty awkward here. It,
0: yeah, it was clumsy. I agree, and just like, I mean, I, I, overly sentimental. I agree, I agree. It kind of came came out of nowhere. uh Didn't like it fit naturally within the movie. I, I thought it was cool that they were trying to uh bring something else new into the film something modern that like audiences could relate to but i think there's a much smarter way to do it or make like the dialogue seem more natural with the other uh, crewmates or whatever i think that's the answer
1: I, I think that it's not that they shouldn't have tried i think that they should have tried more naturally You've yeah, got to remember yeah. these these seamen are hardened <laughs> i know <laughs> yeah he so, <I> can't talk <laughs> I, I think can't. they just like I mean, it sounds bad, but they, had they had the dudes be like more openly rude to him or just had this yeah. subtext of just like, this dude's clearly getting shortchanged and brushed off because of his race, right? rather than have him have to spell it out for the viewers and not really have his race be that much of a dynamic throughout the rest of the f- film, like throughout what's actually
0: happening. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah 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 that, that, that's a bummer and then also like tying that aspect to the vampire aspect i, I don't feel like they bridged that very well because it could have been really cool where like uh dracula somehow was like a metaphor for like systematic racism or something or of of like uh oppression of like certain communities but yeah it just felt like two very separate things in this movie that didn't really kind of come together naturally
1: yeah boy you could have gone somewhere with that really like feeding on the lifeblood of other people and having that yeah. be symbolism for oppression and right. Uh, exploitation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We left a lot on the table there. It kind of feels like they're like, oh, wait, um, Corey <laughs> Hawkins is black. <laughs> yeah. Add, uh, I don't know five lines, five lines <laughs> yeah, of dialogue. Exactly. Yeah. That'll
0: that'll work. That'll work. Yeah. And yeah, leave yeah. everything
1: else the same. So. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Kind of a last-minute effort, which, uh, yeah, it sucks. It's cool. Cool. They, they they thought about it that for a second, but they, they didn't do it justice. So that, that's unfortunate. What do you
1: think of the performances?
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, the the one guy, uh, Liam Cunningham, obviously, like this is a, felt like a natural role for him. I thought the character of Wolcheck uh, was pretty good, and you know, I, I I didn't mind Clemens. I know, like, yeah, his dialogue probably wasn't the most uh, natural sounding, and like at certain times. Uh, he came off, like, pretty rehearsed, but I kind of liked him as a character. Uh, I don't know how much to knock his acting, though, in that, and, uh, yeah, I thought Anna, in, in, like, that character was, was also portrayed pretty well. What what did you think? I feel like we run across this
1: situation pretty often, like, Corey Hawkins' performance, specifically. We run into these performances where we feel we can't even judge them because the character (laughs) was written so clunkily, the dialogue they were given wasn't very good so you can't very well judge the performance based on that so I don't think Corey Hawkins turned in a bad performance but I can't really say that he turned in a good one just because he wasn't given the material to even really have that potential
0: for sure I I mean
1: I think he turned in a a good performance but I don't think you could ever turn
0: in a great performance when your material isn't there I agree did you feel like uh, there was a vocal dubbing thing going on the whole time? No, I didn't. Wait. Oh, yeah, I felt like they all kind of sound a little bit unnatural with, like, their lips were, like, barely moving, but, like, their, the voices were kind of, like, booming. And, uh, yeah, I thought I thought maybe some dubbing was around in the background. But what did you think of the acting of, like, the rest of the cast?
1: I thought everybody was pretty solid, actually. Um, there was yeah, nobody competent. who I thought, boy, they are... They're missing. Yeah. They're missing. I I thought everyone was pretty good. Again, some of the characters didn't really have a chance to shine. It didn't give actors the chance to shine. Yeah. But I thought everything was solid on that front.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No huge complaints on the acting. And then it sounds like we we both were kind of middle of the road with the, the villain or the monster, right?
1: Yeah, I would say I I am pro the monster, and I like the versatility there, and how he's kind of weak at first, and he's crawling on the deck, and then by the end, he's fucking zooming around everywhere between the masts. Mm -hmm. I'll go ahead and say I like the villain. I I think there was some inconsistency in the appearance, but I liked the appearance. I I liked the ghoulishness of it all. Mm. And I like to say the word ghoul, and the word ghoulish. (laughs) Ghoulishness
0: yeah i I like that they they kept him as a monster I, I I kind of broke the spell for me at the end when I think he like says like you will fear me or something like he he actually mutters some words and then it's like ah oh, this isn't that scary anymore it's just a a, a monster that uh, or a dude that looks like a monster now but uh i, I yeah I, I i I liked the the approach they took with Dracula and making him like this winged creature
1: yeah I agree fine. and I think if you're going winged creature you know keep word
0: keep words out of it yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, lean yeah. into the monster aspect. Yeah. Uh, cool. Do you, Anything else or do you want to jump to the rating? Let's do that rating, homie. All right. How many uh, grandsons burning up would you give this one? <laughs> oh, jeez. You know, I
1: feel like I was speaking pretty negatively of this movie along the way, but I ended up giving this a 3.5 out of 5 burning grandsons. I wow. just, I think had the movie had its pacing be in the opposite order, I would have left with a bad taste in my mouth and giving it just a three. Mm -hmm. But since I was kind of like, oh, no, this movie is not going to be good, and then it was like, (laughs) whoa, they just killed that kid. Whoa, he just burned, and he's flying around everywhere. It it wasn't an incredible movie, but I was entertained. So I give it a 3.5 out of 5. I think while it gets off to a plodding start, the menace and action are ramped up in the second half of the film, making for an entertaining ride, and the production design's attention to detail Makes for an immersive high seas period piece, mm. and uh, yeah,
0: nice. That's great, man. I'm, I'm glad you had a good time. Uh, we, we like yeah, once the film kind of kicked into gear, that that's great. How many and, of- Yeah, you're right. The production details, uh, pretty solid. Like that, that's not easy to do on a film like this. Easy
1: to overlook, and you know, I'm sure that's part of what gets that budget so high up there. If not, sure. The boat, yeah, of it. yeah,
0: getting that boat right. Um, well, yeah, I'm, I'm considerably below you. I'm, I'm at a two and a half uh, Grandson's Burning. Uh, I think, yeah, this this movie is kind of predictable going into it, and no, like, huge shocks throughout the film, so it's kind of, like, lacking a real bite to it, and it felt <sighs> kind of predictable. The other thing where I think this movie is a big miss is uh, the premise, like, uh, the idea that this could potentially be, like, an aliens on a boat uh, makes me realize that, like, one thing that I felt was missing uh, throughout this film is the sense of dread and atmosphere like you've got this monster on this boat with all these people there should be like the sense of claustrophobia there should be the sense of like we can't escape to, uh and I I feel like we never really got that and I can't tell why but that sense of like dread fear panic scared uh scariness uh never really hit me which it's weird because I feel like he did that in uh the autopsy of Jane Doe we were kind of confined to a small space with like monsters in it but in this one, for some reason, maybe it's being on a boat out at sea. It's kind of hard to replicate. But yeah, I feel like it, it really missed on that angle. And that could have been, uh, that could have really made the film uh, be a lot more interesting for me. Did you feel like that was there? I-, I wonder if any listeners are picking up on this unspoken undercurrent
1: of me being annoyed when you use the word bite. <laughs> In a review of a vampire
0: movie. Yeah, I know. I think about you every time I write that. Brian's going to love this. (laughs) So Uh, they could sink your teeth into. Oh, God. You
1: said (laughs) that, well, just to correct you, you said aliens vibe, and they were going for alien. Alien, yeah, yeah, my bad. But yeah, I think as much as the production design was a success here, in my opinion, something about an old boat just isn't as ominous as- A spaceship? A spaceship. Especially just, I mean, they had, like, such incredible design work on that spaceship. And you are not, when you're designing the future, you are not as limited as when you're designing the past. You have to be as accurate as you can. So you can't really make an old boat too ominous. Hmm. But a spaceship, you certainly can. You can make it this, like, barren, blank wasteland almost like it is an alien and just endlessly it it, there's a certain endlessness to the uh i was gonna say to the nosferatu but what's the name of their fucking ship oh what was the name of their ship it was something was it something nostradamus no it's not the nostradamus
0: hmm was it the nostradamus
1: oh Oh, man i even have a hat that has the title of the (laughs) ship on it okay (laughs) um no, yeah, yeah, I, I
0: hear the stromal. Oh, okay. Yeah, I hear it saying. Yeah, space naturally and like a, a futuristic spaceship naturally is going to be a little scarier. But I don't know. Even without that, like, uh, you don't think um, they could have amped up the the dread or suspense or like the scary elements of this? I, I don't know if it was like Dracula was like two in the shadows and never like like you could have had a sequence where like someone um, and they kind of had this with like Toby's attack scene where he's like looking in the shadows and there's a creature there. Uh, I think maybe more below deck action sequences in the dark could have uh, amped up uh, that that, that sentence for me.
1: I think you could have had a lot more ominous shots just examining the boat and the negative space. I mean, yeah, that's really go. what Alien and Autopsy of Jane Doe have in common It's just you're in this space that it feels very empty. Like two mm-hmm. guys alone in a morgue, and I feel like there's a decent amount of shots in both of those movies of the setting and the setting alone without people in it. Right. And this movie does some of that, but it could have done more. It could have just showed you a shot down the darkened hallway below deck, and the sound of the ship creaking in the night. And exactly, nothing's there. No reason for the shot except ominousness. And it yeah could have done more of that. It probably could have also had some tracking shots where you follow somebody as they slowly walk through the ship checking each and every nook and cranny for something for that's sure. off so yeah, yeah it's funny because they have that incredible production design but they really don't explore the space with the camera as well as they could have
0: yeah 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 i think that's missing for sure yeah uh but yeah that's uh, that, that, that i think that would have made a big difference for me and kind of what i was hoping for with this film
1: yeah man. i yeah i like this movie um but at the same time, I feel like I can't to defend it too much if people say it's boring, yeah, it kind of is sometimes um mm. it's yeah kind of a shame
0: yeah 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 it's, it's 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 a bit of a miss but uh yeah three and a half that, that's a solid rating though that's uh you would watch this again I would watch this again, yeah. Yeah, cool. Book in hand. <laughs> uh, yeah. Reading along in the chapter. Oh, how, is it true at all to the chapter uh, mm-hmm. in the book? No, I, from what I remember of that chapter, and fellow
1: re- readers of the book can correct me, was that it's just very short and it's basically just hey, things have gone very wrong on the ship
0: <laughs> and we're not doing so hot. Sure, sure. Okay, it uh, that sums sums up the movie pretty well.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I kind of got uh, to wondering if it had was maybe a longer chapter, and then when it got translated, it ended up getting shortened because the pages were stuck together. Ah, uh, because of all the hardened <laughs> semen.
0: <laughs> was that what you're seeing? On?
1: Yeah, there it was.
0: <laughs> nice. Sorry, everybody. I'll, I'll see myself out. <laughs> Uh, one last question for you on this: Why were these guys sending Dracula to London? Were they just like being dicks? Like, <laughs> fuck those guys get, in London. Get him out of here. Yeah. Um, I think he like paid them to, and
1: they knew what was happening. But he kind of has the whole town under his pointy thumb, and they were kind of like, "We've lived under this curse long enough. We're getting paid to do this," and he's. No longer our problem. Oh, that's how it went down. Let's do it. I oh, believe okay. so. Yeah.
0: Okay. It wasn't like some like uh, rivalry between Transylvania and London.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know what'll <laughs> really fuck them up. <laughs> yeah, I'll send, you a Dracula send him bear. our secret yeah. weapon.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So it, Dracula, it, this was his idea to travel to London.
1: Yeah, and I mean most. Yeah, it was his idea. He's he's going there to. Uh, basically, the whole movie, the book starts out with like. Uh, lawyer, real estate agent type guy coming to help him close the deal on a property that he's purchasing in London and
0: mm. yeah. Okay. Okay. Got it. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Kind of like an immigrant vibe then I guess uh, for, for the original story. Like yeah, this out of towner coming in, trying to buy a place, killing people. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, we'll see where, where this franchise goes. Uh, anything else? That's it. All right, cool. That's been our discussion on the last voyage of the Demeter. If you enjoyed this discussion, please leave us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's going to help other people find the show, and we always appreciate the feedback. If you want to join the discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We're going to announce next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We're also on Discord where we're chatting up with some other listeners and fans of the genre. You can find the link to that on our website. Our logo is by Amy May Pop Art, so check her out on Etsy.com. You can find some cool merchandise for our show as well. And until next time, if you're trying to escape a monster that you know hunts at nighttime, consider making your escape plan during the day when he's probably sleeping, and and you could probably get a good head start on them. Uh, A lot lot of
1: easy ways to to fix the the problem (laughs) you got on this bike.
0: There are some easy ways, especially if you know where he's sleeping. Like uh, that's <laughs> right? a nice place to start. Yeah. Yeah, that is unfortunate. They should have just scrapped that scene in yeah. the movie. That was unnecessary. It didn't really add anything to the story at all.
1: Yeah. Interesting that he brought Anna along basically as just a food source. It's like yeah. He packed a snack. <laughs>
0: was that? And, and, uh, do, you, do you assume like he packed other bodies too, or was she the only one? I think she was the only one. Uh, okay, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Eh, never never trouble far without your Anna, I guess. Exactly.